0: CFL fans, are you ready because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now hello hello and welcome to the Canadian football countdown I'm Ryan coop and welcome to our week 12 CFL preview here on the Canadian football countdown talking Labor Day weekend in the CFL uh, coming up this weekend can't believe we're already at Labor Day a lot of people you know always say the season doesn't truly start till Labor Day well now it's here the the season is here. Uh, if you go by that metric and uh, we got a great slate of games coming up this week. Uh, if you're looking, at, if you're wondering where Michael Garrell is, uh, he's not here on this episode with me as he is on vacation this week. And if you've missed the announcement on the last couple episodes of the podcast, uh, he, he won't, he likely won't be on the preview show for the remainder of the season as uh, with me heading back to university finish off my degree this fall. Uh, Mike will be taking full control of the weekly recap uh, along with a soon to be named guest host each week. And then uh, as often as possible, you may never not get it every week. I will be doing the weekly preview show. so uh, it's, you know, it just ended up being easier to be able to record whenever I have a bit spare bit of spare time instead of trying to coordinate with Mike. So you get him on the recap every week. You get me on the preview show most weeks, and I'm here to talk the week ahead in the CFL, so uh, we'll get into that all right away. Of course, later on in the show, I'll be joined by the great Steve from the Piffles podcast. You know him on Twitter as Safamod. Uh, kind enough to join me to talk Riders and Bombers in the Labor Day Classic in Regina and uh, and the rest of the games from week 12 as well. And if you, uh, if you haven't seen it, it already or heard it already, our Week 11 recap episode is out on all the podcast feeds. Uh, with Mike away on vacation, I was joined by Tony Allen from Rouge Radio, uh, was kind enough to join me and help me recap Week 11 in the CFL, so make sure you check out that one as well if you haven't already done so. The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all of the other great CF Pod Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. Well, let's get into talking about the matchups for week twelve, and it starts off with the Montreal Alouettes in Ottawa to face the Red Blacks on Friday night. Montreal coming off of a win. A home win nonetheless. Uh, first time in over a year. Uh, big win over the Toronto Argonauts this past week. And uh, they, we look to see if they can carry that forward here as they come into Ottawa, who is coming off of a bye week after a very impressive win over the Bombers right before the bye week. Uh, uh, everything, as always, in Montreal is all the attentions on the quarterback position, and uh, it looks like Antonio Pipkin is getting a third straight start. Johnny Manziel has been cleared to practice uh, and play this week, but... Uh, as of right now on Wednesday night, as I'm recording this, uh, it's looking like Pipkin's still going to get the start again this week. And uh, frankly, after the way he played last week, I'm very happy to see that because uh, great performance. First Montreal quarterback in exactly a year uh, since Week Ten of 2017 to throw out to throw over 300 yards in a game uh, since Darian Durant did in Week Ten of 2017. So. Uh, A big game by Antonio Pipkin, and I like what the kid has done so far, and I'm interested to see what he does against an Ottawa defense that is very strong and shut the Bombers' offense down a couple weeks ago, and we'll see if Pipkin, you know, can string something forward here, and if he he continues to do so, that makes things very interesting uh, to watch, you know, what Mike Sherman's going to do at his quarterback position, whether he keeps going with the hot hand, or he goes back to the guy who he traded a lot to get in Johnny Manziel. Uh, The Red Blacks uh, go go back to a couple weeks ago when these two teams faced, I believe it was three weeks ago, and Trevor Harris throws 44 of 54 for 487 yards or something like that. I mean, uh, a ridiculous performance. Uh, I believe one of the... Second most completed passes in a game ever, right behind Henry Burris, if I have that uh, that stat correct, which I may not, to be fair. I don't have it in front of me. I'm trying to take it from memory. Um, keys of the game in this one, for Ottawa, I think it's really just going to be fine. You know, offense get into the end zone here, uh, because while Trevor Harris has thrown a heck of a lot of yards, Doesn't have a lot of touchdown passes uh, in the last number of weeks. And they, you know, they move the offense down the field, move the offense down the field, and then all of a sudden it ends up being Lewis Ward time to kick a field goal. He's had to kick a lot of field goals. They've been putting the points on the board, but certainly if you can early on in this game put up a couple touchdowns, you know, if this game gets into a shootout, Ottawa, you have to think, has the better offense here and is going to and is going to win this one. So I, I think if they can force this one into a shootout here, um, you, you know, just get things rolling offensively early in the game, uh, they should end up winning this one. For Montreal, I think it's the entirely opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, my, my key of the game is really on the defense here. I like what I've seen slowly but surely, and very slowly to be fair, Uh, In terms of improvement by the Montreal offense, I I love Pipkin. I can't can't speak highly enough of what I've seen from him in two games so far, and I think they'll continue to get a little bit better here. But uh, the defense this past week put up a big game against Toronto, really shut down their offense and shut down McLeod Bethel-Thompson. But but before that, you know, they'd given up many 40-point games, a lot of games where they were giving up, you know, 400, 500 yards of offense, uh, especially as I just mentioned against this Ottawa team. Really, the defense just, y- you need to come out and put up the same type of performance you did last week if you're Montreal. If you go back on defense to giving up as much as you had in recent history, um, that's putting a lot of pressure on the on the offense to get, like I said, get into a shootout with Ottawa. Probably not going to win that one So. They need the defense to step up. Our picks for this week. Mike has texted me his before he left for vacation. Uh, He is taking the Ottawa Red Blacks to win this game at home. And frankly, I agree with him on that. I do love a good storyline in the Montreal Alouettes. Um, I was so happy to see them pick up the win uh, against Toronto. Uh, Super happy for Alouettes fans. uh, Because they needed it. Um... And I'd be interested to see if they could get a two-game win streak going here. But, I mean, Ottawa's got a very good team. Um, offensively, defensively, special teams. Uh, really, you know, they have three losses on the season. Two of them came to Calgary, and uh, one of them was that uh, that collapse against Toronto, which I'm sure Red Blacks fans, uh, in their minds, never actually happened, so... A very good Ottawa team. I think Montreal makes this interesting, but I'm going to take the Red Blacks to win this one as well. The second game of the week comes on Sunday with the Labor Day weekend, uh, having two games on the Monday, and that is the Labor Day Classic in Regina. Uh, the Bombers going to Saskatchewan, which, boy, that has never very much favored them well, I think. They've won, what, one of the last 13 Labor Day Classics in Regina? History is definitely not on their side, and boy are Riders fans going to be after Matt Nichols after the way he's played in recent weeks and all the media firestorm he's been under and his comments about, you know, people booing him. He's going to be hearing heckling from the Rider faithful at New Mosaic Stadium all Sunday afternoon long, and... Frankly, I'm interested to see how he responds to it, because Mike O'Shea has made it clear that despite, you know, everybody clamoring otherwise, Matt Nichols is still a starting quarterback for the Bombers going forward, uh, and certainly is this week, and uh, going into hostile territory in Regina, I'm really interested to see if Nichols can, uh, can shut people up a little bit here with the bounce-back performance. But... It's not going to be easy because they're facing Saskatchewan's defense, which is starting to contest with Calgary a little bit here for best defense in the CFL. I, I mean, Calgary, by far and away, still gives up less points, but uh, boy, has a defense carried a team as much as, as this one in Saskatchewan has in recent history? I, I mean, it's coming up with big plays, Week in and week out, uh, huge interceptions, uh, you know, fumble recoveries, sacks. Charleston Hughes, as as you'll hear me talk about a little bit later on with Steve from the Piffles podcast, uh, the, the enormous impact of Charleston Hughes and his twelve sacks so far this year, and, and and all around the Saskatchewan defense. I mean, they've scored, you know, almost as many touchdowns as their offense, which is crazy to say. So. Uh, Certainly, you know, can Winnipeg's league-leading offense get things back on track a little bit against one of the league's leading defenses? That's interesting to see here. And then you have a Saskatchewan offense that's had its fair share of struggles this year going up against the Bombers defense that's had its fair share of struggles. Um, So, you know, how does that end up playing out here? This is a game full of storylines uh, between the Bombers and the Riders, and it's going to be a fun afternoon Of Football here keys of the game starting with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, who are the home team here I I think it literally is just get under Matt Nichols skin because uh, once you get under his skin he's shown that you can get to him and uh, And that's just gonna come from getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, Charleston Hughes uh, I wouldn't be surprised see him put up another two to three sacks this game and continue to pad his Lead. He has seven more sacks in the next leading guy in the CFL this season. And the rest of that defensive line certainly is very impressive as well. You get after Matt Nichols, you throw him off his game, you shut down Andrew Harris, uh, and, and the Bombers' offense becomes one-dimensional. And, and, and then Saskatchewan, you know, if you hold the Winnipeg to the passing game with the defensive backs you have in Saskatchewan, Uh, that's going to be a good day for them. For the Bombers, uh, key of the game, I I, I would really just shore things up uh, on both sides of the ball here. The offense has stalled in the last couple of weeks, has become, you know, Andrew Harris was shut down and they didn't necessarily know what to do in the passing game. I think Nick Dembski has gotten a little dormant in the last couple of weeks uh, after a very strong start to the season so maybe see things mixed in there offensively for the Bombers a little bit more uh, with Nick Dembski, and maybe mixing in Chris Streveler a little bit more here. I know people are like, oh no, put him out there for the full 60 minutes. No, do stuff like they did last game where they put him in for the one play, uh, second and short, and he throws a long touchdown to Ryan Lankford. So uh, if you can do that, keep this defense on their toes, that's going to you know give you a good day if you're the Bombers here. And on defense, The last couple of weeks have been a bit of a disaster. Lots of yards given up uh, the last couple of weeks and couldn't get the stop last week against Calgary uh, when they needed to. You're facing a Saskatchewan offense that doesn't score a lot, so if your defense can have a good day, that's going to take the pressure off the offense here. In terms of our pick to win this one, I am taking Saskatchewan uh, history on the, first of all, the history of the Labor Day Classic. Uh, is in their favor and second of all, I really think this is two teams headed in opposite directions right now The Saskatchewan defense is is great and it, it, it will make plays and it will get under Matt Nichols skin and uh, the Bombers are reeling a little bit now and I think that will have a bit of an effect on them and uh, I'm taking Saskatchewan to win this one and uh, well Mike agrees with me on that as well we both have Saskatchewan taking the game This week, uh, the Labor Day Classic with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We get into the Monday game, uh, the first of the two Monday matchups, the Calgary Stampeders hosting the Edmonton Eskimos, and uh, the Battle of Alberta has the two top teams in CFL's West Division going head-to-head here. Uh, Edmonton coming off a heartbreaking last-second loss to the Ticats, and Calgary coming off the big win against the Bombers this past week, and... You have two of the best quarterbacks in the game going head to head, and Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell, and uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. I think this is the game of the week between these two teams. Uh, Edmonton, you know, can they bounce back after that loss? And going into Calgary with these two matchups, there there's pressure on Edmonton because you lose these next two games against Calgary, you're sitting at a 500 record uh at six and six i believe they'd be at that point so some pressure on edmonton here especially after their offense stalled for three quarters against hamilton this last week you're facing a, a strong to say the least calgary defense here and, and and frankly the the defense has had its struggles in edmonton as well and poley by mitchell if he can do what he did against the bombers last week uh, i mean edmonton Edmonton's got to step it up in this game and uh, and if they're gonna beat the Stampeders here at home keys of the game for this one uh, Calgary uh, starting with the home team here is really just to To keep spreading the ball around if you're if you're Bowie by Mitchell uh, he, uh, uh, You know Kamar Jordan caught the bulk of the passes this past week you you might see Edmonton clue in on him a little bit more but Spread the ball around. He's got a wealth of receivers at his disposal, and if you do that, you know you make Edmonton's defense run around a little bit. You make them take some undisciplined penalties, uh, which they're prone to do. And, uh, and and frankly, on defense, if you can get Edmonton into that habit they seem to be in lately of uh, trying to force the deep ball play in and play out, that's really what. That's really when we've seen Edmonton's offense at its worst. Is when they when they try to force the deep ball play in and play out. Uh, it only works a couple times, and all of a sudden, you know, you miss one of those, you're second and ten, and you don't get the first down after that, and you get their offense off the field, and that's really the key for Edmonton's offense. And that's the key for Edmonton in this game, is to stop just trying to force the deep ball on every single play. It's to, you know, get a couple shorter passes in and out, use your receivers, use C.J. Gable, and uh, and get things a little more you know opening up on offense with a couple of shorter plays maybe some play action here and there because uh, Calgary doesn't give up a lot of passing touchdowns uh, I think they've only given up like four or five on the season so you're not gonna beat them deep through you're not gonna beat Calgary through the air you gotta be smart and forcing it downfield every play is certainly not the way to do so so you got to balance things out a little bit here if you're Edmonton, uh, and that's really the key of the game for them. Picks in this one, I am agreeing with Mike. We're going together on this one, and uh, we're taking the Calgary Stampeders at home. You know, these may be the two top teams in the CFL record-wise right now, while granted Edmonton is tied with Ottawa, I really think Calgary is the better team here, and certainly at home. You know, Edmonton, until they clean up their penalty troubles, um, that, that's hurting them game in and game out. And uh, frankly, I, I, I like the defensive matchup of Calgary. I'm interested to see if, you know, Mike Riley can tear them apart, as Mike Riley is known to be able to do. But it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I, I just like the makeup of Calgary's team better right now and Mike does as well, and the home field advantage certainly plays into that, so we're both taking Calgary to win this game. The final matchup of Week 12 has the Toronto Argonauts in Hamilton to face the Ticats. New Argo De'Ron Carter will not be in the lineup for this game, and won't looks like he won't be in the lineup next week either uh, against the Ticats as they get him to learn the offense and you know, get practicing and get involved before they throw him into game action. So no Deron Carter, and it looks like possibly no Anthony Coombs this week for Toronto, as uh, from what I have seen or heard, he may be back on the injured list again, like literally right after he came off of it. But stay tuned for the depth charts on that. Um, Hamilton coming off a big late comeback win against... Uh, against Edmonton, you know this is an interesting matchup here. You've got this young kid in McLeod Bethel Thompson, who's now making his fourth career start, going against the Hamilton defense that, uh, frankly, gives up uh, the least the least number of passing yards in the CFL, uh, under 200 passing yards a game. They shut Edmonton down for all but uh, all but the second quarter this past week, and uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, especially, you know, when he doesn't have, you know, this potential game-breaking receiver in Deron Carter in there yet. They're going to be heavily relying, I would think, on James Wilder Jr. uh, As Hamilton's defense does, you know, give up the most rushing yards in the CFL. So, uh, interest to see how that matchup goes. And interest to see what Jeremiah Mazzoli can do uh, against this Toronto defense, uh, who is... You know, they don't have a, a stellar defense in Toronto. And uh, the big knock on Mazzoli has been his inability to find the end zone. Had 419 yards last week against Edmonton, but only one one touchdown through the air on that. So uh, we'll, we'll see this matchup here. And uh, keys of the game in this one, starting with the Thai Cats at home, I, I think is really just sh- if you shut down James Wilder Jr., um, and it's kind of like the same key of the game I gave for Saskatchewan to shut down Andrew Harris. You shut down James Wilder Jr., yeah, you force Toronto to get to the passing game, and you know they don't have a wealth of great options at wide receiver to throw the ball to, So, and you have the best passing defense in the league, so really you shut down the running game, and, and you should have a very good day here for the Hamilton defense. On Toronto's side of things, I, I I think it's just find some consistency and uh, their defense last week gave up 300 passing yards uh, to Antonio Pipkin, uh, something a Montreal quarterback, as I said already, hasn't done in quite some time. So, uh, you know, offense is going to continue to get better as McLeod Bethel-Thompson gets more reps here, but uh, the defense can't. The defense can't put him in a position where he's going to need to throw all day long against this Hamilton defense. So the defense needs to shore things up very well here. Uh, they they collapsed a little bit late in that game against the against the Alouettes and uh, Mazzoli. Let a comeback last week against Edmonton. So I could definitely see that being a struggle again if they can't shore things up there. Uh, pick in this game. I am taking the tie Cats and I believe. Mike is as well. I'm a big fan of that defense in Hamilton. Uh, I think they showed this past week against Edmonton exactly why. As I mentioned, they shut them down for three quarters. The offense was on quite a bit of a roll there uh, for a large portion of that game. And uh, they're at home against Toronto. If Deron Carter was in the lineup, maybe we're talking about a little bit of a different story here. But he is not. So Mike and I are both taking the Cats this week uh, over the Toronto Argonauts. If I had to pick a game of the week for this week, as I already mentioned, it's probably the Calgary-Edmonton game, although I think we, with these divisional matchups, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these games be the game of the week. Uh, winnipeg Saskatchewan uh, certainly is one that those of us in the Prairies have circled on our calendar every single year, and uh, it's Labor Day, it's rivalry time. Uh... Could be great matchups all across the board. Well, without further ado, it's time to get into our weekly game breakdown interview, uh, breaking down the matchup for the Bombers each week. And this week they face the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Regina. So to talk Bombers and Riders and everything else from Week 12, I was pleased to be joined by Steve from the Pitfalls Podcast, or Safamod as you know him on Twitter, Uh, to talk this matchup this week. So without further ado, here's my interview with Steve from the Piffles Podcast. And now I'm pleased to be joined by our guest for our Week 12 CFL preview here on the Canadian Football Countdown uh, from the province of Saskatchewan, uh, our neighbours to the west here in Winnipeg, uh, from the Piffles Podcast. You know him as Safamod on Twitter. It's Steve. Welcome to the show, Steve.
1: Hey, thanks for having
0: me. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I have no complaints. It's Labor Day week. Absolutely. This <laughs> this is where it gets real, right? Uh, <laughs> Just
1: don't don't say that to Alex. He will he will <laughs>
0: fight you on that. People always say that the you know <laughs> the season starts on Labor Day, and uh, well, it's here. So and of course it marks the first matchup between the Bombers and the Riders, and we're very fortunate. To get three games this year, i always looking forward to them, to them, and even more fortunate for us, we get two of them here in Winnipeg. Yeah, you guys get a bit of an advantage this year, but I'm <laughs> all right with that. Uh, of course, you will be here uh, for the Banjo Bowl next week, along with uh, the other members of the Piffles podcast, and a bus full of people from Regina, is that correct? Am I hearing this right?
1: You are correct, yeah. We actually tried our hand at a at a tour bus for this year and we got 55 strong coming, uh, coming to IGF. Ooh. It'll, it'll be my first banjo bowl in far longer than I want to admit. So I'm kind of excited oh, and, uh, it'll be my first at IGF.
0: Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah. we can't wait to have you here. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll meet each other up at the, at the tailgate before the game. I know, I know Joe Pritchard from Rouge, White and Blue is coming in, I think all the way from Wisconsin for this game. So, uh, Qu- quite a bit of Canadian Football Podcast Network representation at the Banjo Bowl next week.
1: Yeah, as it should be.
0: Absolutely. Uh, before that, obviously, though, we have to play the game in Regina between these two teams, which comes up this week. Uh, before we get into talking about the matchup, I kind of wanted to ask you about some of the initiatives uh, or some of the stuff uh, you guys are doing with the Piffles podcast these days. And one of them was uh, a charity, was it Flag Football game you guys put on recently?
1: Yeah, we had our it was our second annual uh, Piffles Bowl for Hope's Home in Regina. And uh, basically just come out, play a couple hours of football on uh, on Mosaic Stadium turf and try and raise money for a good cause. We've been we've been playing these touch games for gosh, 7 7 years now and it was just last year we decided, "Hey, let's let's turn it into something bigger." And we we've kind of been shocked at
0: how much it exploded so quickly. So how much did it end up raising this year? Uh, our
1: total so far. We still have shirts that we're uh, we're moving to to up it a little bit, but right now we are at two thousand and sixty dollars raised. So uh, <laughs> well we, we done. were well done. we were genuinely surprised and and just ecstatic at the support. I mean, we're we're shocked any time that people listen to our show or or respond to our tweets. The fact that people are coming out and supporting these events just it blows my mind. It, it'll never it'll never stop. Amazingly,
0: love seeing you guys doing great work for a great cause. And then another thing uh that's happening actually in relation to this Labor Day game this week is uh you guys are bringing in a rider fan all the way from New York. Uh I know you had a lot to do with that. Uh how how did you get this all together and uh what what's all going on here? I well it it was actually it was really interesting. It was just after his trip up to
1: uh to Hamilton for the uh the game against uh, the the Tie Cats a couple of weeks back or a couple of months back and I, I was sitting there next to my wife and I said, we should see if we can get people to pitch in and and bring him here. And she kind of looked at me like, really go for it. Why not? And it took 24 hours was wow. all it took for me from idea to having people pitched in enough to get his flight and his ticket out here. Um, and my, the, my favorite part about it is a lot of people thought it was a Piffles thing or it was a rider thing. It was neither of those. It was just, it was, it was a CFL family thing. There were seven, Seven of the nine teams, I think it was, uh, fans from seven of the seven of the nine teams were a part of this, and the only reason it wasn't nine out of the nine is I didn't approach a couple of the team, uh, fans from teams because we had gotten enough. So it was right. it was across the league, and I was just again the CFL family. They they amazed me time and time again, and uh, I I refuse to take much more credit than the guy who had the idea because it was it took
0: off the moment I opened my mouth. So. And so Joe Lazzito, did I pronounce that correctly, the last name? Yes, sir. Yeah, he will be uh, in Regina to take in the Labor Day Classic with you guys this week. Uh, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg coming into this game, some would argue, on entirely opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, All hell is breaking loose here in Winnipeg after the last two losses. You got media firestorms that typically come from the neighbors to the west uh, are now coming out of this city with Matt Nichols. two ugly losses for the Bombers, and the Riders seem to be on maybe a bit of a roll for themselves here. Uh, basically, at the midway point of the season, what what's your take on how the Riders have done so far? You know, th- this
1: season has been a bit of an enigma for us. I I expected a lot better out of our offense, and I don't think I expected quite as much out of our defense. I mean, it I, I expected us to have a top-tier, top-half offense, We had all the pieces that, that we should have been able to put points on the board and we're not, we we're still sitting at 10 offensive touchdowns through no, sorry, 11 offensive touchdowns through nine games, which is atrocious in the CFL. And And there are teams that have that in
0: three. Yeah. And two of them have come from a defensive back. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that the fact that a defensive
1: back is our leading touchdown getter right now is both awesome and embarrassing, but it's, (laughs) it's, it's a perfect descriptor of how the season has gone. It's been led by that defense. We have a championship-caliber defense with a suddenly, you know, what's, what's the best word to describe him, uh, youthful Charleston Hughes, who is on a tear yeah. 12, 12 sacks through nine games. If yeah, you would have well, told me he'd have 12 in the season, I would have been ecstatic with that trade.
0: Well, yeah, this is already more than he had, I think, all of last year. I think he had 11 on the season last year or something like that. Uh, I don't know how many they got this week, but I know the week before he had as many or more sacks than the entire Argos team combined. And, and you mentioned he's at 12 sacks already through nine games. I think the second leading guy in the league is at five. Yeah, Charleston, yep. he at 12 uh, Boateng, Jocko to Johnson, Lemon, probably a couple more guys here as I'm looking through. Yeah, there's quite a few. AC Leonard, Odell, Willis, all at five. I mean, far and away he's running away with the sack total this year. And frankly, I don't know if this continues how you can't consider him a favorite for defensive player of the year.
1: To be honest, right now he's the the Riders nominee for most outstanding player, let alone defensive yeah. player. He's been, he's been ridiculous. And I mean, you're you're used to seeing one guy kind of take the lead on the on the sack race, but not
0: not like this.
1: Over double the next pack of guys, and I loved hearing Sean Lemon go off saying he was uh, he was going to catch Charleston before the end of the year. Not a chance.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, that that's not happening. I think he may have already <laughs> locked up uh, the the sack total. Uh, he he could do nothing for the next nine games and probably still win it. So a uh, heck of a season for Charleston Hughes and. He's not the only one on that defense that is having a heck of a season. I mean, Nick Marshall, sure, those two offensive touchdowns are impressive. But what he's done on the defensive side of the ball, I think, has been even more impressive. You know, uh, he was the first one to shut down Duke Williams this year. He's come up with a couple of huge interceptions. How key has the addition of Nick Marshall been?
1: Oh, it's been you can't you can't put into words how much he's meant to that defense. I mean, we saw uh, Duron Carter in his spot getting lit up. Yeah week in and week out for for several weeks there and then he comes in and and shuts down Duke Williams and he held him to two catches for what was it forty forty 40 yards yeah 46 when the guy was averaging over 130 yards a game he's just and he's a rookie and he's a quarterback that's the part that surprises me the most but with Chris Jones at the helm you just learn to accept that he's not going to necessarily put a guy where he played in college I mean you look at uh, Toby Antigua, he was a receiver, turned defensive end, turned linebacker, now he's a safety, sometimes a linebacker. <laughs> Willie Jefferson was a converted receiver. It's it's insane what he does with these athletes and Nick Marshall is just another another, you know, notch in that in that belt of Chris Jones making the right decision.
0: Can you explain Chris Jones to that, those of us outside of Saskatchewan who I mean, we watch from afar, and a lot of the time, I think most of the league is wondering what the heck Chris Jones is doing. <laughs> you you, you mention all of these guys rotating positions. Yeah, the quarterback musical chairs a couple games earlier in the year, where every series he was putting in a different quarterback. Can you ex like how do you explain Chris Jones?
1: I don't think there's a way to tr- to truthfully explain Chris Jones without calling him a mad scientist. <laughs> That's it, It's the best descriptor for him. He does what he wants, how he wants. And the thing I like the most about Chris Jones, Saskatchewan fans are used to the old boys club. They're used to the guys who keep the the team leaders well past their best before date. Jones doesn't give a darn who, you know, who a guy was to the fans a year ago. Right. If you're not performing exactly how he wants now, you're out the door. Look at Bakari. Abakari uh, Grant, Chad Owens, Rob Bag. although he did bring him back. I mean, all three of those were surprise cuts after an almost Great Cup birth season. He, he just, you never know what to expect. And as a guy who covers the Riders uh, more than the rest of the league, I love it because there's always something to write about. There's always something to discuss on our show
0: 12 months of the year. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because you get into this matchup with the Bombers and you have two coaches that, really are on the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, you talk about Chris Jones, really, you know, loyalty of you've been with this organization for a long time does not seem to mean much to him. And then on the flip side, you have, you know, Mike O'Shea, who is stuck with Richie Hall as defensive coordinator, despite clamors from uh, Bombers Faithful for several years in a row here. And he seems to obviously have a strong loyalty, loyalty to his players, such as you know Ryan Lankford getting into the lineup with Weston Dressler out because he was the next man up, not necessarily the best talented receiver on the practice roster at the time, uh, but he gets into the lineup there. So it's interesting you have these two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum going head to head, and only one can come out on top.
1: Oh, and it's Labor Day, so we know we know which one that's going to be. It's it's pretty much written in stone, ninety five percent of
0: the time. Sadly, yes. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I can't argue that. Uh, Getting into the matchup this week with the Bombers, uh, as we break down the matchup, we always kind of like to go offense, defense, and special teams. Talk a little bit about, you know, how the opposing team lines up there and uh, which side gets the edge. So you talked a little bit about how the offensive side of the ball for the Riders uh, has been a bit disappointing compared to what you expected coming into the year. They certainly haven't really taken off offensively yet. What's the biggest thing holding them back right now?
1: Consistency, and and Stephen McAdoo's offense. It it works, and it's been it. There has been an improvement over the last three weeks since Zach Galeros came back. We've seen a consistent um, push towards a better offense and a better game plan, and an actual deep threat. We've we've seen him throw Pat, because with uh, with Bridge and Watford. I don't remember seeing a pass that went past 20 yards. We're actually seeing them go downfield and test the defensive backs which we weren't the first half of the year. So I mean there's there's been some improvement but it's all consistency. They'll they'll look great. You look at last week, they they looked great in the first half moving the ball with with basic ease and then the third quarter rolled around and it just
0: kind of went to crap. It just died. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 know, it's it's tough to play a full 60 minutes of football. I, I mean, some teams are able to do it quite frequently. Others struggle quite a bit. And I, I think the Bombers certainly in the last couple of weeks have struggled to play 60 mi- minutes of football. Uh, just look at that, you know, about 30 seconds at the end of that game against Calgary where they lost 14 points in uh, 30 seconds. Offensively for the Bombers, uh, they have the highest scoring offense in the CFL, still at thirty one fifty or thirty one point five points per game. Uh, but they've struggled in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Matt Nichols is under fire for his play and his comments of late, and people want to see Chris Strebler uh, give us the outside uh, view from the rivals of uh, what do you make of the Bombers' offense?
1: You know, it, it's very to me. It's pretty clear how you stop the the Bombers offense everything goes through number 33 yeah. you stop Andrew Harris you you stop their offense and and there's and it's easier said than done there's a reason why he's successful year yeah. after year but both offenses have that game manager at quarterback the difference is Winnipeg tends to rely on kind of two guys it's Darvin Adams and more more often Andrew Harris you key on those and they kind of they, they feel like they don't have near as much of a threat and they we showed that or they showed that versus Calgary last week
0: yeah I, I think that's a very fair assessment uh, especially with Weston Dressler out who I, I believe is practicing this week I'm not sure if he's getting back into the lineup yet I think Corey Washington uh was filling in at practice this week instead of Ryan Lankford so we'll stay tuned to monitor that but uh who do you give the edge to on the offensive side of the ball right now? You mentioned the Riders are slowly starting to get a little more consistent there. The bombers have struggled of late. Uh, do you give either team the edge in this one? You
1: know, if, if you take the defenses out of the out of the equation and just go offense for offense, I, I can't in good conscience uh, pick the riders offense against anybody in the league right now. Even they're Montreal. just they're too even Montreal, especially with Antonio Pipkin. Fair enough. Like that kid, but it's a shame we're not gonna see him this week most likely. but no, I I, I just can't. I, I'd have to give Winnipeg even when they're struggling the straight the slight edge. And yeah. I hope they go with with Chris Strebler because I was very adamant when he was performing earlier in the year. I am not a fan. I don't think he's near as good as as he's kind of gotten hyped and I don't I, I would love to see because I think I think Matt Nichols is a you know that not quite that top tier quarterback. He's not the Mike Riley bully by Mitchell. But he's in that next level of quarterbacks. He's in that game manager, but the guy you can rely on. And I don't think the, I don't think Bomber fans really want to see Chris Strebler.
0: Uh Well, some of them would argue they do, but I'd argue maybe <laughs> they don't know what they actually want. Uh, I, you know, I'm kind of on the fence in the situation because facing a tough rider's defense uh, who likes to get after the quarterback, I think perhaps having a more mobile guy in Chris Strebler would be beneficial in that matchup. But then again, do you really want to put the rookie quarterback in there on Labor Day in Saskatchewan where you've won, what is it, once in the last 13 years? <laughs> yep. So like, yeah, like, absolutely that's, that's not. That's not a recipe for success. Uh, defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's no question we're going to agree who has the edge in this one. Uh, you know, the Bombers gave up 249 yards to Kamar Jordan last <laughs> week. Uh, the Riders' defense has been the backbone of this team all year long. Uh, what makes the defense so good in Saskatchewan? It it, it
1: all starts at that defensive line. I mean, you, you look at a, at a line that's got Michael Brooks, uh, uh, Willie Jefferson, Zach Evans, and of course, Charleston Hughes. That, that is four top-tier defensive linemen that, that give us the ability to not have to rush five, six, seven to get pressure. We're getting pressure with three and four. It gives us time to actually get our defensive backs back, and we have a very good group of defensive backs. So, I mean, it's just an all-around. You can tell looking at the Riders roster where the money went. Chris Jones is a very defensive-minded head coach. He's of the belief that defense wins championships, and I think he's right. But it's very clear that that's where where most of our salary cap is. I like it that way. It's more fun. I love watching a a high-powered
0: defense. Right, and you go back to Chris Jones' time in Edmonton and when they won the Grey Cup in uh, 2015 here in Winnipeg. Uh, the, sure, they had Mike Riley on the offense, but the defense was really strong that year under Chris Jones, and you know he loves his defense, and he knows how to build a defense, and he's certainly doing that with the Riders here. Uh, the Bombers on the other side of things, it's been up and down all year long. Uh, they, start, they bring in these big pieces in the offseason, such as Adam Big Hill. Uh, they start off slow to start the year. People are getting a little upset with that. Then all of a sudden, a couple games in the middle of the first half of the season, they play some pretty sound defense. And then these last two weeks, it's uh, back to same old, same old with lots of yards given up and uh, seemingly not able to come up with a stop when they need to. Uh, Riders' offense has struggled uh, at you know many times throughout the season. They face this Bombers defense. What's the key to beating the Bombers defense? Oh, avoid Adam Big
1: Hill. I don't know if that's really. possible. No, the the way he plays the game, you basically have to try and minimize him. You will never, you'll never avoid him completely. He's he's in my mind the best middle linebacker in the league.
0: Not Sam Hurl. No, God no.
1: <laughs> I I'm so glad that Cameron Judge has replaced Sam Hurl on our on our line uh, in our linebacking core. I love the way he hits, but no, Sam Hurl is a great good guy and a quality Canadian, but he is nowhere near that. that level big hill it's just fun to watch him play him if i could put him and alex alex singleton on one in one Mm. linebacking
0: core that'd be amazing and then throw solomon elemium in there yet too like imagine (laughs) bc a couple years ago with alex singleton in that no i don't want to imagine that we're not going to that would hurt that. (laughs) that would hurt um special team side of the ball this is an interesting one because you have Two kickers on the opposite end of the experience level here. You've got a rookie in Brett Lauder in Saskatchewan. you got the veteran in Justin Medlock here in Winnipeg. And yet, I'd say it's almost a wash because they've, you know, Medlock's always been consistent throughout his career. And Brett Lauder's been incredible so far.
1: I I remember the moment we heard that uh, Kropinha was out for the season, and, and I was terrified. And it's funny because we never had that... Faith in Tyler Carpenter that that you would think you would with a guy whose career average is over 80%. Right. He just he never gave us that confidence over 40 yards. Louther, I don't care where he lines up from. If Chris Jones puts sends him out for your, for a field goal chance, I expect him to make it. And we haven't had that in God since McCallum. It, it's yeah. been a long time since we've had somebody with that where we've had that much confidence. He's been he's got three misses this year, two or three, something like that. And, and we've we've had to kick a lot of field goals. I mean, we've we've gotten a lot of money off a of pizza here in Regina with uh, with their <laughs> their three dollars off deal for every field goal. It's uh, it's it's interesting that you're right though. I would you know Medlock's in exactly the same category. He's that guy you line up, you you know he's gonna make it nine times out of ten. Yeah. So I, I'd say if, I mean punting, I never really measure much, but uh, Bartel has not wowed me at all this year he he's good for the uh the net yards cuz he he got he has those high kicks that give us good coverage so we haven't really given up a lot of long returns but he's also not booming 50 yard 60 yard punts it's all 40 42 44 and stop them so i mean it's
0: yeah and, and and i'd say like i mentioned the kickers are a bit of a wash here but uh if you look at the return guys you know kevin Fogg... Uh, certainly can do some damage for the Bombers. Uh, I don't know who's going to be returning kickoffs because it was Ryan Lankford the last couple of games. But if he potentially doesn't start, I'm not too sure. They've been rotating guys there throughout, you know, this whole season. But in, in Saskatchewan, I'd argue you have the best, of, perhaps the second best behind Chris Rainey because Chris Rainey is incredible. But, but but Christian Jones is certainly one of the top two return guys in the CFL. I don't know if you can argue that against
1: that. I, I don't... We we were actually laughing about this a few weeks ago because we were sitting there we were almost disappointed in how he's done so far because he's only broken one, he's only mm-hmm. had one kick return touchdown, and, and it was just we've we've come to expect so much from him and finally the BC game he broke out again and had two great returns. What's scary about the the Riders' kick returns isn't just Christian Jones. If Marcus Thigpen is back and healthy, that's yeah. that's the best duo on kick returns in the CFL right now. That's two guys who can break it anytime they touch the ball.
0: Uh, getting into your overall pick for the game, I think, I mean, I think you already mentioned it, uh, history is on the side of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, but, uh, what do you, how do you think this game is going to go? Is it, is it a blowout win for the riders? Is it a close game, low scoring, high scoring? You know, I think, and I've, I've said this a couple of times this
1: year and I've been way too close. I, I've, I've predicted the riders would get three touchdowns twice, both times that the only games they've scored two. That's God, that sounds bad saying out loud. Um, <laughs> I think this is the game they finally break out because like you said, Winnipeg's defense is kind of up and down and they've, they've had success against some better defenses of late. I mean, Calgary to me is the, or was the number one defense in the league. And that's the game we finally started to move the ball. I think it's going to be a tighter game than I want to admit. I would go 37, 30, 31, somewhere in that range.
0: That's going to be it's, a going, be a, it's going to be high
1: scoring. It's going to be it's going to be a lot more points, and it, it's what we have come to expect. Labor Day is always exciting. And it's never it never goes the way you expect it to.
0: Yeah, especially what you know. I remember that fifty two nothing a couple of years ago. That did not go the way we expected it to go at all. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I I I think it might be a bit more of a difference game. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Riders stomp the Bombers because, like I said, it's two teams on the opposite end of the spectrum here. But Obviously hoping for a close game uh, and an exciting one at that. Uh, I want to get your take quickly here, uh, super quick, on the other games of the week as well. Uh, the first one of the week is the Montreal Alouettes coming off of a win at home, which we haven't been able to say in over a year, uh, against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, how do you see this one going, and who's your pick to win?
1: Oh, it's Ottawa win in a rout. As much as I like to see Montreal you know, turn the corner and and, and pull one out against Toronto, thus making the Riders not the 1-1-17. One in one in um, Ottawa's just a better team in, in all aspects. It's not going to be close, and especially
0: if they go with Manzel over Pipkin. Right, and uh, I'm not sure. I think they've both been practicing this week. I think as of right now, Pipkin's taking more of the first team reps, but uh, that remains to be seen as well in the next couple of days, and we'll see when the depth chart comes out. Not that that... Particularly (laughs) means much uh, you would know from Saskatchewan. Chris Jones' depth chart uh, lasts about one play. Uh, Coaches are always honest. Always. 100% of the time, especially when the live live mic is on. Oh, of course. Uh, And then uh, two Monday games because of Labor Day weekend. It starts off with the Battle of Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary. Uh, Two top teams right now in the West in the standings. Uh, How do you see this one going?
1: I'm torn on this one.
0: It, it depends on what time you ask me whether or not
1: I think uh, who, who I think will win. Calgary seems like they were struggling a little bit up until that game versus Winnipeg. And it was mostly that last quarter, the last five minutes of the game where they finally picked it up. But they're too good of a team to, to lose two out of three. They just don't do it. It never happens. I, I got Edmonton by 10.
0: Edmonton by ten over Calgary in Cal- or sorry, sorry, Calgary by ten. Sorry Calgary <laughs> by ten. There yeah. we go. I was gonna say that that's that's a bold pick there, but uh yeah, no, no, it's uh
1: Edmonton's good, but I think they get swept.
0: Yeah. Uh you know, I was talking with uh Tony Allen from Rouge Radio on our recap episode uh just yesterday, and we both kind of agreed, you know, Edmonton comes off that uh, heartbreaking loss to Hamilton. Now they gotta play Calgary twice in a row. Uh, we can't. You can't imagine Edmonton taking both of the games. Maybe they're able to split, but uh, I, I like Calgary a lot better, uh, especially at home in the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, and and then the final game on Monday to round out the week is Toronto and Hamilton in Hamilton. Uh, Toronto seems to be trying to pull off a comeback every single week, and while well, against Montreal, they literally fell as short as you possibly can away. By hitting the post on uh, on the game tying field goal, how, how, can they bounce back this week and uh, beat Hamilton at home?
1: Toronto is they're in a, they're just such an odd team to pick. <laughs> you don't you never know what you're going to get when they line up, and it's really interesting. If Deron Carter was starting and ready, I think he's the piece that's missing from their offense. I think they need that one more threat alongside uh, S J Green. If he was playing, I would pick Toronto
0: he's not, I got to go Hamilton. Fair enough. Uh, you, you've spent your fair share of time covering Duron Carter in Saskatchewan. Is Toronto a good fit for him? In the short term, yes. He, he will fit anywhere in the short term. But if you look at
1: his career from the moment he started college football, he doesn't last anywhere. Right. And it's because it's that attitude that you love when he starts that just wears on you over time. I mean, as fans, as, as a fan of the team and as a fan of, of Carter, I love what he brought to this team. He brought an energy and a, almost a storyline every week, but just he brought that fun of the game that we all think players should have. right. But, I, but if you watch him at practice and you watch him, you know, when the play is not going his way, he turns into that that child almost that like he does, at practice, he doesn't stretch. he doesn't go all out. He's been gifted with a, an unbelievable talent and it's it's scary to me how well he could perform how good he could be if he had the drive that that some of the the big stars have because he has the talent to to outrun them all
0: and uh final question here before we wrap things up uh if you had to pick a game of the week there's a lot of rivalry games this week which one do you think it will be
1: as a rider fan labor day as a CFL fan i i would say calgary edmonton i think that's the game that'll uh That'll be the most fun to watch. Might be the lack of stress on my side because I don't care who wins, but it'll yeah. be it'll be an interesting one. I, I would pick that game if I had to sit and watch one game for all eternity.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Well, Steve, we are out of time here. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me here on the podcast uh, and talk riders and bombers. I uh, look forward to, you know, we had you on, I think for Labor Day last year. So uh, perhaps it's a new yearly <laughs> tradition. Uh, I certainly look forward to it uh where can people find your work uh and where can people find you on social media
1: absolutely if you want to if you want to reach out to me i am on twitter at safamod uh our show piffles podcast is at piffles pod on pretty much every social media platform you can find uh or check us out on the on the internet uh, www.pifflespodcast.com
0: wonderful wonderful well we'll leave it at that uh enjoy the game this week uh hopefully not too much uh <laughs> But uh, let's be real. You probably will. And I uh, hope you enjoy your trip here to Winnipeg next week to take in the Banjo Bowl as well. Hey, thanks. We hope to, hope to catch up when we're out there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Take care. And that was Steve from the Piffles podcast joining me here on the Canadian Football Countdown to talk Bombers and Riders and the Labor Day Classic and all things uh, looking at week 12 in the CFL. Uh, So huge thanks again to Steve for joining me on the podcast. It's always a pleasure uh, to speak with other members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Well, it's that time of the show where we get into our fantasy fix. Uh, Looking at CFL Fantasy for Week 12. Week 11 was another pretty successful week for myself. Uh, Over 100 points for the third consecutive week. Um, Kamar Jordan contributed quite nicely to that with a 40-point performance against the Bombers, in which he put up 249 yards receiving and a touchdown. My goodness, Kamara Jordan. Uh, and now we take a look into Week 12 and see, can somebody put up a monster performance like that in Week 12? Uh, let's start at the quarterback position here. You've got uh, an interesting matchup between Edmonton and Calgary, with uh, you know the two best quarterbacks in the game, Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell going head-to-head. And uh, then you've got a couple younger guys. It looks like Antonio Pipkin's getting his second or third straight start. Uh, while Johnny Manziel has been cleared to play, Pipkin continues to get reps. So perhaps Johnny Football is given another week to heal up. And frankly, after Pipkin did what he did last week, I think that's the right call. Uh, and McLeod Bethel-Thompson getting his third start against Hamilton's defense. Uh... Who do I like at the quarterback position? I really like Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, Put up a monster performance of 30 points this past week uh, against the Bombers. Uh, Put up 25 uh, the week before uh, against Saskatchewan, who has a very strong defense. And Edmonton, I'm I'm still not entirely sold on Edmonton's defense, I think, especially when they continue to take as many penalties as they do and play as undisciplined as they do. You know, that's going to help move the ball down the field get Calgary Moore in scoring position. And Bo Levi Mitchell, when he put him in scoring position, he's going to score Uh, 11 touchdown passes in his last four weeks. Um, he put up his career best of 452 yards against the Bombers this past week. Uh, at a $9,513 salary, he's the third most expensive option at quarterback. But I don't see any reason why Bo Levi Mitchell can still put up numbers like that Uh, I do like Trevor Harris against Montreal's defense as well at 8,865, you know, he threw 44 completions, uh, put up something like 487 yards against Montreal uh, a couple weeks ago, but again, the knock on Trevor Harris lately in the Ottawa offenses, they haven't necessarily been putting up a lot of touchdowns, uh, four touchdown passes in the last three games, uh, if you go back to the last six, he's only thrown five TDs. So you know maybe if Trevor Harris can start, if he can certainly get in the end zone this week, that's a great pick as well. But the 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 guy I'm interested in this week is Antonio Pipkin. Uh, he comes in at six thousand dollars, getting his third straight start for the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, he looked good the last two games, and he's been a fantasy contributor because. Not only with his uh, arm, but with his legs, he's been contributing. You know, last week he put up 25 fantasy points uh, in the game against Toronto, and crazy enough, was the first Montreal quarterback to throw for over 300 yards in a game since Week 10 of 2017, which was Darian Durant in a win in uh, an overtime loss, sorry, to the Bombers. Uh, that long, exactly a year to the day since the last 300-yard passing game. So Antonio Pipkin, uh, I like what he's got. You know, in his first start, he put up 18, uh, he put up 19 fantasy points. Here he put up 25 against Toronto this past week. And Ottawa's got a pretty strong defense, certainly, but I I like what I've seen from the kid. And I I, I think, you know, at a cheap option of $6,000, I'm always somebody who likes to take, you know, like to take a chance on a value play at quarterback. Yeah, I am strongly considering at this point putting Pipkin in my lineup. That being said, it will depend, you know, once the depth chart comes out to make sure he is in fact starting with, you know, Manziel being cleared to play. Talking about the running back position, uh... One of the guys I'm really looking at this week is Alex Green. Green continues to find the end zone with five touchdowns in the three games he's played this year and had over a hundred yards last week against Edmonton. Uh, has put up at least 15 carries in each game since he's returned from injury. And I, I mean, frankly is putting up uh, on average, basically around 20 points a game, uh, maybe even a little higher than that since he's returned. So Alex Green at 7,548. If you're looking for a surefire pick at running back, especially against, you know, an Argos team that uh, is third last in the league and gives in giving up rushing yards with 111.89, and you know, they give up 29 points a game, which is second worst to Montreal. I, I love Alex Green as a pick at running back this week and. Frankly, I I, I like his opponent as well, uh, his opposition at the running back position, James Wilder Jr. You know, Deron Carter is in Toronto, but he's not playing yet. In the meantime, all of the offense in Toronto flows through James Wilder Jr. That's no secret, whether it's rushing the ball, whether it's dump passes from McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Uh, they depend on this guy an awful lot and he's facing a Hamilton defense that gives up the most rushing yards in the league. So James Wilder Jr. was held in check decently well, pretty well, I would say by the Alouettes this past week. Uh, expect him to have a strong game as he faces the Hamilton Tiger Cats this week. And if you're looking for a real value play at the running back position, uh, You've got an option with the Alouettes here with a $2,500 running back in Ryder Stone who appears to be getting the first team reps and uh, will be, will, looks, looks to be getting the start this week because William Stanback did get injured near the end of the game last week against Toronto and Terrell Sutton of course is still out with injury so uh, Ryder Stone, uh, $2,500 for a starting running back. Uh, I, I'm certainly strongly considering putting that in my lineup. Gives you flexibility elsewhere. At the wide receiver position, I talked about him already. I, I, you gotta find a way to get Kamar Jordan in your lineup, I would say, almost every week at this point. He, uh, he put up 40.9 points against the Bombers last week. Uh, 17.6 the week before against a strong Saskatchewan defense and 29.5 the week before that against BC. I mean, Kamar Jordan has been absolute money in recent weeks and uh, he's Bo Mitchell's favorite target uh, with Eric Rodgers being out. And like I kind of talked about uh, with Edmonton's defense before already, I like the matchup with Edmonton's defense. So if you're looking for a surefire pick at wide receiver, he's the most expensive guy at 9596 but I, you got to find a way to get Kamara Jordan in your lineup this week. I, I, I think you have to. I don't. I, you know, I will be putting him in mine. I can guarantee you on that. Uh, if you're looking, you know, maybe at a bit of a cheaper option, uh, at the wide receiver, uh, expect Jordan Williams Lambert to have another big game this week for Saskatchewan. Bombers defense has not been good the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's to say the least. They've given up a lot of yards. Uh, Jordan Williams-Lambert is one of the go-to receivers for Zach Kalaros. Uh He put up a touchdown last week, even though he only had 13 yards against BC out of the monster breakout game against Calgary the week before. He's only 3,843, and given the Bombers' nature of, you know, giving up big yardage, uh, I would certainly look at a cheap option like Jordan Williams-Lambert this week. Uh, if you're looking for more value plays, because... Really, if you can get a guy for, you know, around under 3,000, that opens up opportunities elsewhere in your lineup. Uh, Another guy who's had a strong coming out party in the CFL is R.J. Harris for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Just uh, three weeks ago against the Alouettes, who he's facing this week, put up 19 fantasy points. And uh, 9.6, 9.1, 12.3, 19. was kind of slowed down in that game against Winnipeg. Uh, back in week ten, but uh, a very strong start to his career for RJ Harris here in the CFL, and you know, he comes in at twenty eight fifty five. I think that's a great option for a value play, uh, for the Ottawa Redblacks as well, because you know Trevor Harris likes to throw the ball. You know, you know, I'm not sold on Montreal's defense, despite the play last week. Uh, I could definitely see a situation where, uh where RJ Harris gets quite a few targets thrown his way. Granted, you know, you got Brad Sinopoli, you got Deontay Spencer, you got Greg Ellington, who's stepped up lately, uh, even more so than, you know, he was having a bit of a down year before that. Uh, the targets are going to be spread around in Ottawa. Um, but Trevor Harris throws the ball so often, you know, everybody's going to get be getting the ball. If you look at defenses, here's the interesting one to me because uh you you have a couple of defenses here. This Winnipeg Saskatchewan game, you know, people don't generally uh from what I've seen, you know, on social media and such and just looking at results in CFL on TSN Fantasy. People don't that often go and pick a defense or spend certainly a lot of money on a defense uh, such as the high-priced ones, but You have this matchup between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and this is a real debate in my head of which defense do you take here and while people are going to be you know questioning me here and saying are you really think Winnipeg's defense and how you know bad they've been at times throughout the year can compare to Saskatchewan's well I look at the issues of Saskatchewan's offense who has not put up a 300 yard passing game yet this year uh has, what, something like nine, ten offensive touchdowns on the season. They don't put up a lot of points. Uh, the Bombers' defense is known for getting takeaways and getting after the quarterback. I think they could do some damage against Saskatchewan this week, but are you willing to go and spend $5,148 to put a defense in the lineup that uh, seems to not have the consistency needed to justify that? I don't know. I love Saskatchewan's defense, had them in my lineup last week, they are the most expensive one again this week, but I like that matchup with the Bombers offense, who, I mean, Matt Nichols is going to be hearing the Bluebirds, and he's going to be feeling the the heat all night long uh, in Regina, and uh, he's shown that things can get under his skin as of late, Uh, this Saskatchewan defense is absolutely incredible um in terms of forcing turnovers and making big plays that's what gets you the points in CFL fantasy so I would lean towards if you can somehow fit them in your lineup this week you gotta put the defense in there the option I really like though as a value play at the on defense is the Ottawa Red Blacks uh they're going up against Montreal and granted Antonio Pipkin has spurred that offense a little of late but I mean, last time, last game against the Bombers, they had 14 points on defense, Uh, they had seven against Montreal, nine against Toronto, eight against Hamilton the week before. This Ottawa defense with Noel Thorpe is really good. It it is good. It, It is, I think, one of the top defenses in the league, and, you know, still skeptics out there of can the Montreal offensive line contain them and give Antonio Pipkin enough time, and the kid's only had two starts. He looked great in the last one as he picked up the win, but, you know, maybe Ottawa's defense gets under his skin a little bit here. So that is it for CFL Fantasy Talk, our Fantasy Fix for Week 12. Uh, as always, make sure you check the depth charts, because with guys, you know, being game-time decisions and such, last thing you want to do is have somebody in your lineup that's not actually even going out and playing for the week, because that gets you a big, fat goose egg which is not going to help you whatsoever. Uh, So make sure to stay tuned for the depth charts there. And uh, that does it for our week 12 preview here on the Canadian football countdown. Uh, I want to thank Steve from the Piffles podcast again for joining me to talk bombers and riders. Uh, That was a lot of fun uh, and looking forward to the game this week. And then the rematch, the banjo bowl next week. So uh, fun times in the CFL here and, uh, we'll be back next week to talk more about it again. Uh, as I mentioned off the top of the show, there the uh, the changes in the programming going forward here. So Michael Garrell will be on the week twelve recap next week. Uh, he will be doing that uh, potentially with our fill in host. Uh, I'm not sure if he's joining uh, or if he's available to help Mike out with that one this week. So. For sure, Mike by himself uh, will stay tuned to see if he has a guest host with him Uh, for the Week 12 recap next week. That will be out uh, probably early in the week, Monday or Tuesday night. And then you'll have me on the Week 13 preview show, uh, this very same show again uh, next week, uh, coming out Wednesday night. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, If you haven't already done so, check out our week. 11 recap episode of the podcast on all of the podcast feeds. Uh, I was joined by Tony Allen of Rouge Radio to recap week 11 in the CFL, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so check that out, and I hope you enjoy that one as well. Uh, follow us on social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter, at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, stay tuned for updates on programming and uh, and contests as well. Uh, we've been given a couple game keys by uh, the people from Canuck Play uh, from Maximum Football Twenty Eighteen. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, check out at Max Football Game on Twitter for more details on the game. But uh, basically, you know, it's a it's a football video game that you can play with American rules, uh, college rules, and the big ones for CFL fans Canadian football rules. Yes, you can play with with all of the great canadian rules you can score as many rouges as you'd like uh and in, in maximum football 2018 for the playstation 4 and the xbox one so check out at max football game on twitter uh we've already given away one of the keys we've gotten yet and uh we will have another contest coming soon to give the other one away so make sure you follow us on twitter at cfc on mike fm to stay tuned on all of that and uh we'll we'll get you updated with scheduling and the show will be shared there and of course we uh we talk football every week there as we do on the podcast so uh make sure you follow that make sure you uh like subscribe review comment whatever else is involved in that all of that fun stuff uh on itunes soundcloud google play stitcher and TuneIn. in uh that is it for this episode of the podcast thanks again for listening i'm ryan coop this has been the canadian football countdown week 12 preview have a great labor day weekend everybody and enjoy some great football games and uh we'll talk to you again next week bye